Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show. Everybody, Glenn Blakeney here. Hey, I want to welcome you. This is Sunday night here in uh, the North America in Dallas, Texas, where I am. And we're going to have a great discussion tonight. My guest is Ruth Swift. She hails in Victoria, Australia, in the Melbourne area. And uh, guys, it's going to be a great interview as we talk about the apostolic, the prophetic, talk about what is God saying as well as women in ministry. Just go ahead and share, share the broadcast. Would you do that, please? Hit the share button. Love to know where you're watching from. Leave your comments as well. It's going to be an incredible time. So we welcome you to the Kingdom Community Broadcast. I just want to let you guys know about a few specific uh, pertinent facts about the kingdom community. As I said, my name is Glenn Blakeney, if you're not familiar with me. And we have a network called the kingdom community. It's more of a spiritual family. And uh, as the name applies, it's all about kingdom and it's all about community. And we'd love for you guys to check it out. You can be part of an organization. You can have your own network. We are not about anything other than building the kingdom of God. And we believe that together we are better. I'm really convinced that in this season which we live, that the next move of God will, by and large, entail the equipping of the saints and the bringing and the coming together of the fivefold and the body of Christ as a whole, to be able to grow into the likeness of Christ, to be able to manifest the presence and glory of God on the earth. So it's a great time for us to come together. Now more than ever, we need to do so. If you'd like to know more about the kingdom community, we have training every month on the third Wednesday, equipping that is is going to set you forth into your destiny and calling. It's going to sharpen you if you're already in ministry, no matter where you're at. I know it can be helpful to you. We have opportunities for you to promote your ministry. There's so many different ways that you can connect with us. Just head over to kingdomcommunity.global. Kingdomcommunity.global is the website, and you can learn more about us. Guys, I also want to mention, I've got a couple of books out that uh, I just want to encourage you. If you want to know more about the kingdom of God, I have a book called Living in the Kingdom. It's available on Amazon. It's available on other platforms as well. It's just like $3. Just go there. You can download it or you can get the hard copy, Living in the Kingdom. On top of that, I've got a nice little book here called Three Ways to Discern God is Moving You in a New Direction. It's available in English, but also in Espanol. It's available in Spanish as well. Love for you guys to access those books. And uh, we are so glad that you've tuned in. Like I said, go ahead and let us know where you're watching from. Thank you. Thank you so much. Guys, hit the share button. Let people know all about the broadcast tonight. It's going to be awesome. I know you're going to really enjoy this. Now, my guest is Ruth Swift. And Ruth Swift is a senior pastor alongside her husband, Wayne, in the city of Melbourne, Australia, in a suburb. And the church is called Resound Church. Now, 
Ruth is not only a senior pastor, but she is also on the national leadership team of Axe Global Churches. Moreover, she also leads a network pastors and others that she actually helps mentor or coach and just oversee, encourages them. So she's actively involved in ministry. She has a passion to see people come into the kingdom of God. She's a woman that has a heart for the Lord. I know she's going to inspire you and challenge you to take hold of all that God has for your life. And Ruth is very much um, a person who hears from the Lord and shares his word prophetically. And so we've known Ruth and her husband, Wayne, for several years, particularly when we pastored over in Australia. And I know you're going to really enjoy her story. And we're going to be talking about, as I said earlier, the kind of the history of the apostolic and prophetic, maybe from a perspective that you've never heard before. A lot of people, particularly in North America, we we think that the restoration of apostles and prophets and, you know, seeing the fivefold come into the forefront of ministry in the church again happened in, say, the Latter Rain Movement in Battleford, Saskatchewan, or later on, um, as a result of, of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic renewal into the 80s and 90s. But we're going to hear today that actually there was something that happened many years ago outside of the continent of North America that really birthed the restoration and the resurgence of the apostolic and prophetic. And I know this is going to be very encouraging for you. So we are so glad to have Ruth Swift with us. Ruth, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy Hello. schedule to be with us. Bless you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm very excited to be with you today. It's going to be great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you're in Melbourne right now, and I know for you guys yep. it's not been easy. You know, I had Corey <laughs> Turner on the other day, and we were talking about uh, life in Melbourne, the most locked down city in the world. It's a good award, don't you think? Like, isn't that what everybody wants is the most locked down city in the world? Yeah, there you go. First place is the most locked down city in the world. (laughs) No, we've been praying for you you guys in Australia, and uh, we know it's it's not been easy, but we believe the Lord is uh, at work and uh, you're coming into a better season now for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So bless you guys. Now, as I said in the introduction, Ruth, I mean, you're not only a co-pastor or senior pastor alongside Wayne, but you're actually on the national leadership team of what's known as Axe Global Churches, and you are a network leader. Let's just talk a little bit about what is a network leader and what are your responsibilities? Yeah. Um, So in the movement, which is called Acts Global, formerly Apostolic Church in Australia, but we changed it just for a a few reasons. We're still apostolic in every way, but we have the name Acts Global. Um, And so in our movement, there's different churches and they get to choose a relational person that they want to relate to that can help them be, um, I guess, mentored um, just to give them some guidance in how that they go about doing the ministry. Um, We get an opportunity to go into their churches and help them um, just to champion them and allow them to grow to be all that God wants them to be. And so my role is um, out of the churches, 22 churches have chosen for me to be their network 
work leader, which is a real honour and a privilege. So it's nice. by relationship. And so, yeah, I'm there to do whatever I can to facilitate them. And I guess the greatest passion is just going in and being able to sit with them, their leaders, and just redefining some things that they're doing, helping them, um, helping them to change some things that need to be changed, um, help them to think differently if they need to think differently, and just also champion them in the things that they're doing really well and to be able to, you know, just be there and say you're doing well, keep going, you can do this. Um, so basically that's what I do is just help them in the best way that I can and give whatever I can to them. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so good. And I love the fact that it's done relationally rather than, yeah. you know, positionally. And yeah. uh, uh, that's such, really, that's the kingdom, the way the kingdom operates. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's and it's an honor because, you know, most of the senior leaders um, in those churches are men. And, uh -huh. um, and they chose to go under my leadership. Um, mm. And I think, you know, that's, that's quite a feat sometimes in itself. But um, really? I, I'm, I feel honoured that they want to glean and learn from what I might have to give to them. So, yeah, so it's kind yeah. of an honour. Well, it is an honour. It's not kind of. It is an honour. <laughs> so, yeah. No, yeah. it's so good. And I think, you know, as obviously as we continue this uh, conversation, we want to talk more about that in terms of a woman sure. being active in ministry. And we know the very heart and nature of God is God created male and female after his image and likeness. So if we want yeah. to see um, the fullness of God manifested on the earth through his people, through his church, then we need it not only through the male, but also female, which is, uh, you know, it's a pretty basic revelation, yeah. but yeah, we don't, we don't often think that way. At least, no. I mean, for me, it's not an issue at all. I'm, but I'm saying for some people, it's still kind of, uh, uh, an issue. And I think it's, it's more of a tradition, but ultimately um, when we read the scriptures, we see the Lord clearly using women and, and the yeah. forefront. Yeah. yeah. So, so we appreciate yeah. your willingness to step into ministry. You could be doing something else, I'm sure. And being <laughs> successful, but no, that's all good. I wouldn't, I'm very, very happy to be here. Yeah. So it's great. Well, awesome. Yep. Well, we really appreciate you, Ruth and Wayne. And, uh, you know, as our time in Australia, we really look back with fond memories of both of yeah. you guys. And so uh, it's awesome to have you on the broadcast. I, I thought we would, I'd like to hear, and I know that many people will be touched by your testimony, your redemption story, how yeah. you came to know Christ. I mean, what was it like, your family background and and sure. uh, growing yeah tell us tell us about that please yeah. yeah well I mean I was brought up in a pastor's home um I am my my grandfather um was a pastor my dad's a pastor um it's something that we've had in our family for years so I was just brought up in this home that loved Jesus yeah. but um 
So I guess my story isn't a story of, um, you know, I was out there in the world and and wow. I was mixed up with this and I was mixed up with that and I came to know Jesus and I had this incredible encounter of redemption and all of that. But what I can tell you was that at, at the age of seven years of age, I was in a um, a little hall where my dad was the pastor and there was hardly any people and there was the salvation call, you know, and as a little girl of seven, I came down the front and accepted Jesus into my life. And I remember sitting on the steps of this old building that we were meeting in with tears streaming down my face and someone said to me, why are you crying? And I said, I just accepted Jesus. Wow. Like it was this this joy that came inside of me that, just overfilled me and it was that moment that I knew Jesus was real in my life but it was at the age of 15 that I really had an incredible encounter with God and I would say that that was the catapulting of me um saying yes to the Lord no matter what and I was 15 years old at a family wow. camp you know back those times where everybody would come to these family camps and we had this amazing speaker from New Zealand that was preaching. And at the end of the message, it was the call of, will you serve Jesus for the rest of your life? And it was at that moment that I said, I want to serve you, Lord, not because of my mum and dad and my heritage, but because of what you mean to me, yeah. I give you my life. And so I went down the front and stood there and a lot of people came and I was the first out and the last to be prayed for. Mm -hmm. And at that moment of being prayed for, the power of God hit me like I've never had before. And I was flat on my on the ground, couldn't stand in his presence, mm -hmm. totally lost mm -hmm. in God's presence. And for an hour and a half, I was on the ground. And for an hour and a half, God was doing something extraordinary in my life. And it was at that moment I promised him and I said, I will serve you to the day I die and I will always do what you ask me to do. And I can honestly say from that moment of being a 15-year-old girl, I have not looked back in wanting to serve Jesus in anything that he's asked me to do, whatever that looked like, you know, from leading a, a little kids group to now being um, alongside my husband but also being very involved in our movement here in Australia and outside of Australia. And so I feel very honoured and privileged that I've said, yes, Lord, every step of the way, yes, Lord. Whether we pioneered churches, we pioneered three churches and okay. every time it was like, yes, Lord, <laughs> and just gone and, and done what he's asked. Can I say I'm perfect and it's always been like that? Probably not. There's been struggles at times. Right. But I can honestly say I've never not wanted to serve the Lord from that right. day. So, yeah. So that's my story. And, um, yeah, hopefully that's a blessing to some of you. Yeah. that's Well, that's the best type of testimony, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I wish that we all had that testimony. But yeah. um, what I what I really love about what you st shared, Ruth, is the fact that you said you would to the Lord, yes, whatever you want, and yeah. and that's really what ministry sh is, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's it's just saying yeah. yes to the Lord and yeah, and then well, it's even him. it's even saying yes to the Lord to the extent that um, 
I was dating Wayne, my husband, and we broke up. And I started dating another man and um, he asked me to marry him. But I had heard the voice of the Lord three months prior to that, that proposal where the Lord had whispered in my ear and said, you're with the wrong man, you're supposed to be with Wayne Swift. And I said, but, Lord, I don't like him. And um, (laughs) it was really phenomenal. But three months later when this guy asked me, I said, I can't marry you because I knew, because I knew that if I'd said yes to the Lord, I had to be obedient to his voice. And obviously now Wayne and I are married and looking at our lives. But I'm so grateful to God that, even back then, I could have ignored that voice mm-hmm. and gone my own way, and I don't know where I would have been today. But yeah. it comes to the hard decisions of the yes, Lord, and um, that's why I'm really grateful that that yes was yes. My yes was yes, and, mm-hmm. and my no was no, you know, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes when we, like you, in your experience, looking at things in the natural and it's like, well, what's (laughs) the reason behind this? But ultimately, we don't have to know. We just have to say, uh, Lord, I'll follow you and I'll do what you call me to do. So, yeah, yeah, so good. So you've been in ministry for a little while now. (laughs) Yeah, so my husband and I got married in 1986 and um, he was the, um, he was a, had been ordained as an evangelist yeah. um, and we then took on being the youth pastors in our local church. And so from the day we got married, we were both um, pretty much in full-time. Well, no, Wayne would work. He worked um, a full-time job as well. But it was in um, 1990 that we went out and pastored a church and became the senior pastors of that church. So from 1990, we've been in that ministry role where we've just served God no matter what. So really 31 years later, um, here we are still passionate about Jesus, passionate about serving him and doing whatever he asks us to do and loving it. I still love being a pastor. I still um, love everything about it and when we retire, I probably will still love pastoring people because I can't help myself. <laughs> right. Yeah, I understand. No, that's so good. And, it, and it's so important, too, that that we um, have that testimony that, yeah, I love people. Mm. I love what I'm doing. It's nothing worse than doing something that for whatever reason. I mean, today, especially with all of the pressure that pastors are under with the lockdowns and COVID-19 and restrictions and people not being able to come, especially in Australia to, you know, to gather, um, even in North America, especially in Canada is really pronounced is there's just this hesitancy still to come back and gather and worship. So it's not an easy time to be in ministry uh, by any means, but God needs obviously strong leaders that have faith and love people. That's the key. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, I know, yeah. as you mentioned, you have a, a, a heritage, a rich heritage. Uh, I and, do. Yeah. And yeah. so I mentioned in the introduction, the starting or, or more of the, the restoration, the, the reintroduction of apostles and prophets. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we believe in that because we believe in the word, Ephesians 4, um, verse 11, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Ephesians yeah. 20. Talk about this. So 
Tell us a little bit about the history of what is now known as Acts Global Churches, formerly the Apostolic Church Australia. Yeah. So in 1904-1905, there was the Welsh Revival. So some of you may have heard about the Welsh Revival. It was an incredible time. Um, It was in the Welsh Revival that people were just being, um, pubs were closing down, ships were coming in, people were being saved before they even hit the the shores of the the, um, Welsh shores. And God was doing something extraordinary. Um, and it was in that, actually, that time that my grand, my great grandfather, who was an alcoholic and totally messed up, got wow. saved. And my granddad, at the age of 11, was saved at, in the Welsh revival. And wow. from there, God just started to do some extraordinary things through his life. So, in that period of time, God was doing things and stirring things. And there was a group of people that had gathered together and got a real revelation on the Ephesians 4.11 and, and seeing that um, outworking of the apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers and evangelists and being um, understanding that they needed to be released for God to continue mm. to do greater things and seeing the globe belted with the gospel. So mm. in 1916, the Apostolic Church in the United Kingdom was established and that's where um, the movement was birthed there. And it was wow. moved, It was birthed with that whole mandate to acknowledge that there were some that were apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists and that the apostles and the evangelists um, and the prophets would go out into the nations of the world and begin to see God doing extraordinary things. So Mm -hmm. in um, 1929 in Australia, so go back, my grandfather at the age of 19 got on a ship because God told him to go to Australia and he, to be an evangelist. So he got on his ship, came out from the UK to the shores of Australia and started to minister. But it was in 1929 that he met up with a man called William Cathcart, who was sent by the Apostolic Church in the UK, United Kingdom to um Australia, because there was a group of people in WA, Perth, where you were, that had cried out to the UK and said, we want what um, we had in the UK. Will you send some people? And so they did. William Cathcart, an amazing man of God, came with his family, um, with some others, and God extraordinarily um, enabled my grandfather and this man to meet, and there was another man, Joshua McCabe, and then there was a group of people that um, came together. And William Cathcart was an apostle. My grandfather was an evangelist, an incredible Um, man of God and then there was this Joshua McCabe who was the prophet amazing prophet and the three of them started to travel Australia and um, they would have crusades where you know there's photos lines and lines of people coming miracles happening people saved and from the year of 1930 to 1939 there was 50 churches birthed in Australia with our movement, the Apostolic Church. And then my grandfather and William Cathcart went from Australia to New Zealand, 
that was birthed, went to South Africa, um, and then Grandad went into the UK and through um, Europe and was continuing mm. to do things as well. Um, Amazing. He's just one of them. There was others that were incredible as well, but that's my heritage. So seeing people um, birth into their ministries, into what God had placed on their life was extraordinary. And for that, it's such a rich heritage. For me, I'm in a yeah. I'm in an incredible privileged position of yeah. having this heritage that says, Come on, Ruth, get up, get out there, serve me, do what you have to do, yeah. and see people coming to know Jesus and pioneering. So the Apostolic Church had a um a catch cry that said, Belt the globe with the gospel. And that's what it did. And today there's a hundred in 102 nations of the world is the right. apostolic movement. So they definitely in 1916 belted the globe right. and we've still got lots more to do. And so that's why we changed our name from apostolic to Acts Global because Apostolic Australia is now right. connecting into Ireland, into Europe, into um, Singapore, into different nations of the world right. where we have birthed some of these apostolic movement churches and we can now acts global means that they can we can all fit into that and still be part of the wider family. So yeah. it's very exciting to see what God's done and is doing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and that's where it was birthed. Wow. But it was birthed from that Ephesians 11, um, 4, 11 and 12 and then the other scriptures that you mentioned as well of just seeing the releasing of these mm. ministries on people's lives. So sometimes I laugh when people talk about um, apostles as almost a new thing. It's a new revelation. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's yeah. always been part of my life. This has right. always been my revelation. We've yeah. always seen the outworking of this. And yeah. so, yeah, so it's really yeah. cool. And it's so important that you said that because, as you know, I mentioned uh, prior to to going on the air that I was uh, somewhere in the United States recently and one of the speakers was talking about how the revelation and the restoration of apostles and prophets came into North America, really the way he didn't say North America, basically the world was yeah. in the late 1940s. And I just, I said, no, I know that's not, that's not true. Um, it maybe impacted North America more then, but ultimately I said, you know, out of the Welsh revival, 1904 yeah. 05 and then eventually as you said there was always that belief in the f entire fivefold yeah. and then yeah and then the birthing yeah. of the yeah. uh, apostolic church yeah. so 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 important so important yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's exciting so, yeah and yeah. i think ruth by talking with you about this and hearing it i mean personally for me you said things uh, that i didn't know I, I knew some of it, but not not the full extent of what you've yeah. shared. And and I feel really encouraged. You know, we we've been working with people from all over the world in the past um, year, really, and just building this connection, this community that's apostolic and prophetic and fivefold, and and to see the equipping, the activation of the whole body of Christ. And um, yeah. And it's just such a beautiful thing when we get it right. And and so yeah. 
I think we're living in a time right now where more than ever, God is trying to recalibrate his church. So we build on the proper foundation. Mm. And obviously the Ephesians talks about uh, apostles and prophets being the foundation. And so we're, we're coming into um, this incredible opportunity, I believe, um, yeah. in our world we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but what has the Lord been speaking to you about this season that we're in? I know you're perfect. Yeah. yeah, I think for me personally, as I've seeked God and I've said, God, what's what's going on? Because, like, we've never seen um, anything like this yeah. in our world all at once. And I think with media, it's so more prominent that we are all hearing what's going on all over the place. And so, mm. you know, there's there's all these theories. There's a whole lot of stuff coming out. There's mm. It's the end times. Well, we've been in the end times since Jesus left. So, you know, yeah. we and the scripture says no one That's knows right. the hour of the day, but it also says be alert, be ready, come on, you know, you don't yeah. know when God's going to um, Jesus is going to come back. So right. we, we've got to be prepared for that. And in this pandemic, I felt like people have got so wrapped up in um, the theories and, and going down rabbit warrens. And I've, I've been crying out and saying, God, what are you wanting to say? And I felt like God said, I pulled the rug from under you. I've allowed this to happen. He's not brought this, but he's allowed right. it. Do you know what I mean? And yes, he's pulled I, this I rug from right. underneath the church and he said, right, right I'm, I'm allowing this. I'm pulling the rug. Now, what are you going to do? How are you going to rebuild? What are you going to put into place that's going to cause an explosion of my kingdom here on earth, for people to come into my presence, for people to come and grow deeper in me. What are you going to do about it? And so I got really challenged by the Lord not to get wrapped up in whether this was, you know, the vaccine was the 666 or whether Jesus was coming back tomorrow and getting all frightened and all this stuff. I got challenged on, hey, Ruth, Go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, make disciples, love on the people, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and then love yourselves and love others like it was like this mandate. And so for me, I feel like God's saying to the, to the church, church, wake up and start yeah, being the church. Start being who God's asked you to be. Start reaching out and touching the hearts and the lives of those people that you've got in your sphere of influence. Stop worrying about all the political side. Stop worrying about whether or not it's going to be fitting into this or fitting into that. Get back to the basics of what Christianity is. And right. Christianity is being a Christ follower, loving Jesus with all your heart, soul and mind, and going and loving others and allowing them to come into the freedom of knowing who Jesus Christ is for them. You know, the harvest is plentiful. It really is. There are people desperate to find Jesus right now. And for me, I feel like the Lord's saying, get out there, workers, and start reaping the harvest. Start doing what I'm asking you to do. And it's just, it's time. God's saying it's time, but don't do the same, same. 
I feel like God's saying, stop doing the same, same. Stop being what you were. Stop being how you were. Stop being um, so, you know, rigid, but start dreaming, breathe again, start re-asking God, what do you want? How do you want this? For us, I think we've just at times gone, God, we don't know what to do, so we're just going to trust you, but I'm going to love people and we're going to be Jesus in the room. We're going to be his hands and feet and we're going to love on the people and see what you do. So if some of it's probably Ruth Swift, (laughs) but I really do feel strongly that the Holy Spirit's saying get back to the basics, get Mm. back to what I've called you to be, get back to the Acts church. (laughs) You know, when the church was birthed, get back to it, get back to what it's saying. I've read the book of Acts over and over because it's like, what are you saying to us, Jesus? Mm. You know, what are you wanting us to do? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if so that, um, yeah. So, so good. No, that's true. I mean, it's exactly it's exactly true. And I feel that a lot of times the fact that the Lord would call us to go back to the basics means somehow uh, we we ended up we getting did. away from from what he was really yeah. wanting us to do but yeah. more important now than ever you know we've come to the realization that our buildings uh aren't as important necessarily as we thought they were and yeah. when we were locked out of our buildings especially in in other nations of the world the united states hasn't been really that bad but um has we haven't fared that badly really in comparison but the opportunity to love people that's anywhere yeah 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 well i know for us in victoria um you know we've been in we've been in six lockdowns and when i talk lock talk lockdowns we've been in the hardest lockdowns in the world and people we haven't had COVID like the other nations of the world but our government for some unknown reason decided to lock us so hard so much to the point that we were only allowed to go five kilometers from our home we could only there were five reasons to leave the house so you could go to the shopping center to the groceries and only one person from the household could go we were allowed to go for an hour's walk a day outside of our home and we were um, allowed to go five kilometres from home. That was all. We could go to the doctors or um, that or go and have a COVID test or have the COVID injection. So they were our five reasons of leaving home. So how do you do church when they're your only reasons to leave home? Um, You could get a permit to go and do our um, live broadcasts, but... um, which we did have. So we had to come up with new ways. And I remember preaching a lot prior to this pandemic of saying to the people in Australia, um, listen, one day we may not be able to meet like we do. What are you going to do? Come on, God's asking you to grow deeper. He's asking you to grow your roots so solid and be solid in your faith because one day we may not be able to do this. We may not be able to gather in my brain saying that'll never happen because we live in Australia. We live in Victoria. We don't live in India. We don't live in these nations where you're not allowed to um, have open public display. And so here I am preaching this and then all of a sudden it happens and we have to outlive what we preached. So suddenly we're encouraging people to grow their faith in Jesus by themselves, get into the word, listen to worship, 
do a, do a um, service once on a Sunday, but then suddenly you're doing Zooms, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're trying to keep the body of Christ together yeah. when you can't gather. And yeah. the problem with the church was we were so used to gathering that yeah. we got complacent with the gathering, yeah. that we came to the gathering, we based everything about the gathering, the yeah. barometer of church was the gathering, and right. suddenly the gathering's gone. So what makes yeah. the church? Yeah. And for me now, I'm like, you know what? The church gathering on a Sunday is not the barometer. Yeah. It is not what makes the church tick. Yeah, we haven't seen the numbers come back. But I know that we're still reaching people. We're still loving Amen. on people. So now it's like the church service is one element of what the church is. Right. The home groups are another element. The um the get-togethers of people getting together to, to discuss who Jesus is is another element. The people going out and loving on their neighbours is another element. Church is holistic. It's no longer about a service or gathering a crowd. Anybody can gather a crowd, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what Jesus asked us to do. He didn't ask us to gather a crowd. He mm -hmm. asked us to make disciples. Come on, come and on. And now right. we're being asked to make yeah. disciples. And so for me, Philosophy of church is no longer there. If yeah. we have 100, 200 people in a church service, well, that's great. Praise God for that. But that's not what makes church. Church is the individual and church is about growing disciples to be strong that don't get blown over in the wind. And we've seen a lot of people blown over in the wind in Australia, in Victoria yeah. especially. I've seen people walking away from church. I don't need it anymore. I don't want it anymore. All because we were shallow. Yeah. We weren't deep in our faith. And yeah. now I feel like God's saying, come on, got to go deeper. Yeah. So for me, I'm more about the one-on-ones um, -on or the, the gatherings where we can disciple and strengthen and wow. enable people to do the same. Let's multiply these. Let's multiply the discipleship groups and yeah. getting people solid in their faith. Sorry, I went on. I don't no, know. <laughs> not at all. But, um, you, no, in fact, I, I want to keep going down this trail yeah. here because this is really critical right now. And I'm so yeah. glad that you, you brought this up, Ruth. You know, one of the things that I've been saying is really what has happened with all of the restrictions in, around the world. And even, you know, here in Dallas, Texas, the buckle yeah. of the Bible belt, we call it. We have so many massive churches here and so many churches, but big churches, mega churches as well as they're called. And even in many of these churches, the attendance has not come really back to 50, 60 percent no. of what it used to be. No. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's people that are watching online and that's fine. But ultimately, we have not even recovered here. And really, there wasn't a long term lockdown at all. It was just maybe for a month or two. Mm -hmm. So I think we are in a time where we all have to reevaluate the yeah. way we've been, quote unquote, doing church. And as you said, it's. We put so much emphasis on the gathering and yeah. uh, and to the point to our chagrin, really, because now we're at a place where we recognize that, you know, one thing we're seeing a phenomenon here is the whole house church movement. 
And, yeah. and we're trying to offer apostolic covering, and we do to, to several yeah. people, but yeah. we're trying to have relationships and support mm -hmm. so that those who are doing house church, and they're not just trying to, you know, before, as, as in Australia and other parts of the world, the connect groups, life groups, whatever you call them, we're talking about people who are now saying, we are going to actually meet in a home. We're going to gather people in and we're going to reach out to our community, to yeah. our neighbors, our friends, yeah. and we're going to really try to win them to Christ and disciple them. And I think this is going to be a huge part of yeah. uh, ministry in, in the future, not just from the standpoint of the people that we get that come into the, the gathering on the weekend. Well, we want to put them in, into small groups. Mm -hmm. And, to, you know, now we're talking about to actually reach into the community and then disciple these people as well. Yeah. And yeah. it's been a huge uh, yeah, it's a huge shift. shift. Yeah. I think um, for us personally, we've um, now in the next couple of months uh, going out and we're calling them discipleship communities. And mm. so rather than uh, about the big gathering, now don't get me wrong, I love the gathering. Sure. I love me, the, me the corporate and the scripture is very, very strong on saying don't forsake the, the gathering together of the brethren. Right. So the coming together is amazing and I love that feel. We were allowed to come back for the first time on Sunday and Sunday morning oh, wow. was just um, amazing. Wow. Like, you know, I was preaching to a real live crowd wow. and it, it was they were reacting to me and it was like, oh, I'm not preaching down a camera right now. But um, And with so people turn their cameras off and you can't yeah. even see them, they've got their cameras yeah. turned off. <laughs> so it was really, um, it was exciting. But we we're just now got a real heart to start discipleship communities. So we're about to do two half an hour on either side of our building and and um, we we've just got a plan to do more of those and then praying that as we do these discipleship communities that they will grow and then multiply as well. That you know, you you grow with salvations, and then you need to start more discipleship communities. Yeah. And so the whole um, excitement about that is that when you start to do that kind of thing, you multiply, and people come to Jesus. But we've been so adamant in having the one big corporate gathering, heaps of people coming to that one big corporate gathering, yeah. and then wanting people to come and be saved and. I'm not saying it's the end of mega church, not at all. Right. I think there's a place. Right. I believe there's a place sure. for it. And I believe yeah. God's got a plan and a purpose and yeah. amazing. But for me, I'm just sensing like God's drawing us to a place of these discipleship communities yeah. of really being intentional yeah. in our growth, in our in the people and mm -hmm. seeing them solid. I think we missed it. We missed yeah. it for years. We yeah. we thought discipleship was um, getting them to serve in the local church. Right. We've got you, you know. You're serving. That's awesome. You're committed. That's awesome. That's discipleship. Yeah. No, discipleship is more than that. Sure. That's part of discipleship is about getting them yeah. into the Word of God and understanding what the Word says and the and it says, you know, so clearly yeah. the the truth will set you free and yeah. it's what's in the word that will set people free. Mm -hmm. But 
we weren't intentional in getting them into the word. We were intentional in getting them into the service, the gathering, mm. the 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 broader, and yeah. So wow. I know that's a lot of um, so good talking, but you know God's doing something, and more and more I hear, the more and more I'm hearing that people are saying, "Yeah, I'm, we're doing this or we're doing that." Um, I love I love the home church thought, but there is something about the bigger gathering as well yeah. of coming together and being intentional in that. Yeah. And that's why I said that's one part of the church. Right. You know, it's not the church, it's yeah. part. It's like, okay, yeah. we've got all these different sections now that make up the widest circle of what is the church. And, of course, the church is us. So yeah. what makes me, what, what makes me up? Being in the corporate gathering, yeah. being in the discipleship communities, being yeah. intentional on the one-on-one, being mm. evangelistic, being the person that's going to go and spe- share the love of Jesus. It's it's a holistic. The church is you. It's yeah. you. And yeah. so I, if I people say, I don't like the church, I go, so do you not like yourself? Like <laughs> you are the church. Yeah. Stop thinking the stop looking at the institution and blaming the institution as the church. The church uh-huh. is you. So what are you doing? Uh-huh. What are you doing to change the world? What yeah. are you doing to be Jesus in the room? Stop yeah. complaining about your local church or who your pastor is or what your pastor's doing. Yeah. What are you doing? Right. And throwing it throwing it back in, in the air and saying, come on. Yeah. You're the church. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, what are you yeah. doing? Right. So, and, and a person who's critiquing without demonstrating a more credible way, in mm. other words, here's what you're doing wrong, and they're not demonstrating that they're yeah. doing something right. They have no credibility, yeah. in my opinion. So so we're in a time and a season where Definitely. As as you stated, I, I love the, the corporate gathering. I love to get together with many people and worship the Lord. There's something powerful about that, especially when, yeah. when the ministry of the Holy Spirit is there, um, which we always want that, but yeah. it's not always the truth. And then we recognize that we're going to have to um, disciple people, which really is, we spend a lot of time talking about this as the Great Commission is all about making disciples. So we don't know what lies ahead for the world. We don't. Not many people saw COVID-19 coming. And in the beginning, when when it emerged and reared its ugly head, we had so many people say, oh, in three, four months, it's going to be gone. Here we are, two years almost, and, yep. uh, you know, two years since it happened, but uh, we, we've we been in a place where we don't know. I mean, recently I was talking with um, someone in the medical profession and they made a comment that um, they don't feel personally this thing is is going to, to go away. Um, I'm believing for the opposite. I'm believing it will, but <laughs> But whatever, regardless. And so, you know, I remember in the beginning, I read an article. It was actually an interview with um, with, with someone. And uh, he basically said that there is another pandemic coming. It could be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, or as soon as two or three years from now. 
And he said, when it comes, it's going to be a lot worse than this one. And, wow. and this was Bill Gates who said this. And, wow. and I don't know <laughs> what, why he's saying that, but I'm saying, guys, if for some reason we are in a time where, you know, God forbid we pray and we reject yeah. it and we believe yeah. that God can turn it around. But I'm saying who thought it would continue this long? And yeah. we need to be prepared. What have we learned and how can we do things differently to be more effective in yeah. reaching people? It's Those are important questions. They are. And I think they're questions we have to ask ourselves all the time. Um, you know, Wayne and I, like I said, have been in the ministry a long time. I'm 58 now. And I'm like, God, I've been doing this a long time. I've seen a lot of things, but I've never seen anything like this. Will you, will you help us to reinvent? Will you help us to re um, re-look at what we've done. I don't believe throwing everything out. Right. I don't because right. I think there were some amazing things that we did do that God yeah. doesn't want us to throw out. But there's some things that we wasted our time on and we weren't getting results. We weren't getting people coming to know Jesus. Isn't that what it's all about? Right. It's about growing the kingdom. Yeah. We we sow the seed, we water it. Of course, we understand that it's the Holy Spirit that does the increase, but we've got a role to play and we're supposed to be doing what Jesus is asking us to do. And I think, I think this has shaken us to the point of going, well, what is God to you? Who is God to you? Yeah. Do you believe, you know? Do you understand who he is? I spoke yesterday on... Um, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we truly believe that, then whatever's happened yesterday, whatever happened when Jesus was on the earth, can happen today. Amen. So he can Amen. he can get rid of this pandemic whenever he wants. He can it can be gone in the name of Jesus because he's the yeah. God of the impossible, yeah. God that can do all things. But for whatever reason, right now. He is choosing to allow us to walk through this, to get deeper in him and to start thinking differently, not to be the same, not to be people that just, you know, expect people to come to church. Mm. No, it's not yeah. like that anymore. People yeah. don't want that anymore. Yeah. They either want to be 100% or they're cold, yeah. but you know, and That's God true. wants to do greater things. So... I'm in for the greater. I'm in for whatever he wants. I'm prepared. Amen. So, yeah. Wow. So good. Yeah. I heard someone um, preach a message recently. He was talking about that passage in Jeremiah 29. You know, it says where I know the plans that I have for you not to harm you, prosper you, and so on. But the context of that verse where the Lord actually says, you know, you are saying that this captivity won't be long and you're going to be released and things yeah. are going to go back to normal. Uh, but the Lord says, no, I'm telling you to build houses, to settle down, pray for the city. Yeah. They were in captivity in Babylon, pray for the city. Cause when you pray for the city, if it prospers, you will prosper. And so the, the point that he was trying to make in the message is that we're living in a time, a very different time, a post-Christian time. I mean, Gen Z is really the first post-Christian generation where we've got COVID-19, we're, yeah. we're seeing cancel culture, so many things 
that are just new to us and and really we're we're kind of scrambling what do we do how do we respond as the church to all of this because there are obviously legitimate issues that need to be reject addressed and so here we are and uh, we've been doing things a certain way for so long and really uh, in certain parts of the world, we've been seeing the church in decline. We've seen Christianity in yeah. decline. And now, mostly in Western nations, and now we, we're we now hearing that 20 to 30% of the people that attended church gatherings regularly before COVID-19 are not coming back ever again. 50% yeah. of millennials dropped out of church during COVID-19, even online gatherings. And and we're we're living in this incredible time where you know churches have shut down in many respects, um, but we're still seeing ministries that are doing incredibly well, mm. even in the midst of COVID nineteen, because they have you know made the pivot or using whatever terminology they've adapted really well, and uh, some of them have not really had to do much because before they were prepared, they were doing the right stuff. Yeah. They yeah. had the right approach and and in, in ministry to, to reach people and so on before the pandemic happened. And so they just had a lot of momentum and traction. So praise God for that. But what, what about, um, you know, just this whole aspect of, of people not being interested in conventional church. What I know I can say for you guys, when I was, Lynn and I were part of Acts Global Churches, I mean, we were very, it was very refreshing to see, um, you know, there wasn't really politics. And and I know Wayne mentions that. And that, so it was all about you know, people and, and the autonomy to be able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and leadership being able to lead that type of thing. But what about those who've kind of checked out from the gatherings, the the church? Um, you know, there are people around the world yeah. that they love Jesus, yeah. but they don't want to be part of the institutional. What What's the answer? And And by that, I mean, I want to be careful how I use that word institutional because there's a lot of great movements, organizations yeah. that have networks, yeah. whatever term you want to use that are very healthy. Uh, and so institutional really probably doesn't apply to, to that. But mm. what, what about those people? Uh, how, how do we, what's your sense of how we connect with them or yeah, I think, with them? I think the difficult thing in all of that is, um, We've we've had a lot of people that have been really engaging. We're actually very blessed that the Mm. congregation that we had have engaged very well, but there have been some that have dropped off and some of them are all the the different age groups that you've talked about that have just said, um, I don't need church anymore. Um, I still believe in God, but I don't actually need to come. I don't need to watch it online. I'm I'm in the word, um, all of that. It's a very scary place to be when people say that because no. iron sharpens iron. You, no. you know, when you're with others, if you're going down a rabbit warren in your theology or things like that, if you've got nobody pulling you back on that, then how do you stop that that roller coaster of going down something that can take you so far from the gospel, so far from who Jesus is? 
And that's what I'm watching some people that have pulled away and mm-hmm. said, I don't need church, I don't need to do this. But they're heading down this pathway that you, you're you trying to reach out to grab them and go, don't go, don't go, you yeah. know. Um, but but how to stop that, I, I think only the power of God can do that. Um, mm. They don't want to listen. They don't want to hear it. Um yeah. They've, for some unknown reason, got this thought in their head that church, the gathering, is not, um, it's not the way it should be anymore or it shouldn't have an attachment. I don't need that. So how do we reach them? I don't know. I I think prayer and love. So I've just been loving on these people, not talking to them about coming back to church, but just continuing to reach out and Mm. loving them. Loving them, yeah, and hoping, yeah, and I think you know, you you just said loving them and praying for them, and so Mm. that's so important. Um, and and like you, I am also concerned. We're starting to see all these aberrations now where people are they've got these crazy ideas about what is you know, theologically, they've got some crazy ideas and. And, and they've drifted away from that. And I think that it is uh, definitely a, a, something we should be concerned about in our personal lives. Yeah. I know when you go away from the gathering, the corporate gathering is so important because when you're not part of it, it's easy just to become dull. I found that from personal yeah. experience. Yeah. And when I get into the corporate gathering, um, Obviously, I'm not just referring to when I'm ministering, but I mean, and I get there and there's just the presence and the power of God oh. is there. Oh, there's just nothing like that. Nothing like too. it. And we need that. And we can do that in our mm. homes. We can do that in, in, in yeah. uh, a larger capacity, um, that type of thing. But mm. we definitely need that. And the other thing in the scripture, there's all these commands in the New Testament that have these two words, one another. Yeah, and all the time. Yeah, and we yeah. definitely need the one anothering. We and do. if we're not in fellowship, we're not we're not going to to get that. And it's not just what we receive; it's also what we give. I need to receive, but I also need to give what the Lord has gifted me with, deposited yeah. in me. So yeah. Yeah. we need corporate worship. Um, you can't, mm. you know, when I worshipped at home. <laughs> watching live stream do you know what I mean you you sort of tend to sit on the couch and you're like oh thank you Jesus oh this is a beautiful song this morning but yesterday morning when we were in that corporate worship and the worship started and I heard the voices and we've got our arms raised and we're we're just worshiping Jesus oh something happens when there's a gathering of people lifting their voices um you can hear a sermon anytime you know you can put a podcast on you can there's so much material out there and yeah you can listen to worship music but it's the voices in the one accord in the room that something shifts something moves and it's in the corporate gathering too that i believe that god can do amazing things in our private time i've I've had the most amazing encounters with Jesus on my own. But when I'm in a corporate gathering with a group of people, there's something that happens there too that can't happen at home. Mm. It 
it's missing. So you need both. You have to have the both. Yeah. You've got to have the, yeah, comes back to the, it's not just about the gathering, but that's very much part of yeah. your walk with Jesus. Absolutely. So, and it's true. I mean, you're not, when, when someone is preaching, uh, it's different. You're, it's, it's more passive for you. Mm. I mean, even though you're receiving is still, but worship is something we can do together in yeah. one accord as a symphony almost. And, yeah. and it's so, so important. And I, I concur with you. Um, yeah. when we were, uh, in lockdown and, and not able to do that, when Lynn and I, first came uh, into that place. We had actually come from Canada into the United States after being in lockdown for quite a while. And we, we walked, we came to a church and we just walked in and man just began to worship the Lord and just yeah. the freedom and the presence of the Lord. We were, I was in tears. It had been yeah. months <laughs> before I'd been able to worship yeah. like that. Yeah. So, and we've yeah. taken it for granted. And, and yeah. I just, well, I really feel some of the nations that have not had to really, you know, yeah. go, have had the lockdowns mm. or been, have not really been affected the same way. And we've still see people, oh, well, you know, I'll go whenever I can or whatever. And, 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 or I'll just do the online thing. And, and I think we still take it for granted, but yeah. I pray that one day that we never, experience you know the prohibition of the gathering of believers in yeah. australia in the united states yeah. canada south africa some of the nations where we've had freedom yeah. to do that unlike yeah. as you said there are other places in the world where they're not able to do that no yeah never Sorry. have been for a long time it's very no. difficult yeah 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 so and what, what a terrible thing yeah so the the last question, um, I just want to hear your response about women in ministry being one. Yeah. Uh, not only, you know, being co-pastor with your husband, Wayne, of Resound Church in Victoria and Australia, but also being part of the national leadership team, being um, a network leader, as you mentioned earlier, serving pastors from over 22 churches. Um, what what are your thoughts about that? Like one of the, the dynamics that I see frequently is I see a husband who is not necessarily the, the main leader when yep. it comes to yep. ministry, you know, like the wife might be more dynamic, might be more gifted as a preacher. Um, what would you say both to men and women in those kind of circumstances? What we're trying yeah. here is to encourage uh, the empowering of women to really step into the role that God has for them. Yeah. I love my dad um, has always said, why do we say women in ministry? We don't say men in ministry. That's true. Good point. And so he's always said that it shouldn't be women in ministry or men in ministry. We're in the ministry. We're mm. all there to do the work of the Father. Mm. And so he, my dad was very progressive earlier on. So when yeah. I was um, the apostolic church here in Australia, ordained women back um, in 
the end of the 1990s. So 1987, the first woman was ordained in our movement and I was the third woman to be ordained in our movement. So I didn't want it. I didn't feel I needed it. I said, I'll do what I do. I don't need a title. I've never been a title person. I don't care about the title. I'm called to serve Jesus and do what Jesus asks. But The men felt that I had a call of God on my life. And so, you know, all those years ago, I was ordained as a pastor. And so for me, I've just continued to operate in the way that I um, do things and what I do and continue to allow God to use me in any way. But a lot of times men will say um, or people will say, and sometimes it's the women that are more adamant about this than the men, um you you need to be under somebody like you you can't be the senior minister of a church and your husband not the senior minister you need to have the man over you do 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 well my my hard attitude is the script says um husbands love your wives even as Christ loves the church wives submit yourself unto your husband right Mm-hmm. So if my husband is the one that I am submitted under and my husband is the one that that is there to protect me and nurture me and look after me and make sure that I'm operating in the right way and doing what I should be doing, mm-hmm. then that's the person that I submit to. So if my husband, if I'm the senior minister, now in this case Wayne and I are both the senior ministers and we both serve right. God together and actually Wayne's my boss because he's our national leader. So I fall really very much under his authority. But even if he wasn't in the ministry and I was just in the ministry on my own, if Wayne said to me, as the leader of the home, as my head, as the husband that leads and guides me and I submit to his authority and I come under that, if he said to me, Ruth, I do not want you to be the senior minister of this church. I do not want you to do this. I would submit to that. But all the women that I know that um, are senior ministers and their husbands aren't Hmm. the pastors, their husbands are championing them. Their husbands are saying to them, you can do this. You're amazing. I'm there for you. I'm 100% behind you. And their submission is under their husband who is compelling them to serve Jesus in the role that God has equipped them, enabled them, and given the gifting upon their life. They can preach. They can lead. They can do these extraordinary things. And their husband says, I'm not a preacher, but I'm so proud of my wife and I am there to support her in the ministry in any way I possibly can. But I'm I'm a businessman and I believe God's called me to the business world, but sure. I know my wife's called to the ministry. So together, yeah. arm in arm, we're going to serve Jesus, whatever that looks like in whatever ministry, but she's called to the local church, I'm called to the business world. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to hold her back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we get confused sometimes is that, oh, no, you've got to have a man that's, that's um that's giving you the direction or leading you well when we have that that safety net around us then we have got that authority that's around us and if the gifting's on her why are we holding her back why are we stopping her half the population if not more is women who is better to reach out (laughs) 
you know so why do we hold them back from the yeah. gifting that's on their life i am so grateful for an amazing husband who yeah. when i didn't believe in myself in as a young woman he would say to me come on you get up and preach and i go oh i can't do that and he go yes you can you've got it on you and he would yeah. catapult me you know one time we we had state we've got states in in australia and we had leadership of states i was in my early 40s and the state leader of victoria needed a new leader and the the movement the national leadership team chose me to be the state leader and people were like how can you do that and my husband's like she can do it because she's got it and she's equipped and she can she can lead us she can do whatever god's asking her to do and i believe in her and i know she can do wow. this so he catapulted me he spoke into the situation where i had doubt he'd say don't be ridiculous of course you can do that you are so equipped for that why would i want to hold you back from that so it's it's exciting when you've got a husband that will release yeah. you and back you. Yeah. Um, I personally, if I didn't have my husband backing me and was not happy about me doing that, I would serve Jesus, but I would definitely not serve him in that way because I believe that I need him. I need him to be 100% with me no yeah. matter what um, and, and enable me to do it. But women in ministry... It's we're all in the ministry, what we call to the for the gospel. So go. let let people do what God's gifted them with. If they're gifted yeah. with leadership, if they're gifted to do that kind of stuff, then why are we holding them back? Because it's through the gift that God uses it to reach the world, to change the world, to see things. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm so glad God didn't hold Mother Teresa back. Right. You know, when all of those priests said she wasn't allowed to go to Calcutta, but she came and she went before the Father and she said, I know you're calling me and look what happened. Um, you know, yeah. imagine that. And there's yeah. other women as well that if 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 men had held them back and mm-hmm. not allowed God to catapult them, we wouldn't yeah. see the results. So, you know, I just... There's so many scriptures. We could get yeah. into scriptures. I can right. I can battle that, but I don't believe I need to. I just don't right. believe it's a thing. I believe yeah. I'm called to the ministry to serve Jesus and to do whatever he's calling me to be. And if that means I'm called to be a leader in the local church or in the body mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. lead people, to guide them, to be better for Jesus, then I'm going to do it and actually if a man or a woman says to me, you shouldn't be doing this, I'm like, and who are you? <laughs> right, yeah. Who are you to tell me? Right, Jesus exactly. has called me and my husband is supportive and the movement, our movement is so supportive of me. Sure. I've never pushed a door open. I've never gone, I want to. I hate that. I hate the whole, I'm a woman, move over. No. Nope. Yeah. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, and if I'm not supposed to do Amen. it, I won't do it. I won't push a door. I will never yeah. open a door. But God's opened them and led me. And every time I've said, oh, I don't know if I'm, I've, I've got that. But it's been Amen. the men that are over me that have said, Amen. come on, yeah. you, you've got it. Go for it, girl, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I don't know if that helps, Glenn. I don't know oh, if that Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Very, that, um, very great response, Ruth. Thank you. Yeah. Look, you know, I mean, the scripture is very clear that when God created man, he created the male and female, man, yeah. Adam in Hebrew, and male and yeah. female, and he gave them both yeah. authority and, you yeah. know, and power and dominion to yeah. exercise dominion. He made them both in his image and likeness. So yeah. how, how, why would we think that? And I just want to say from the perspective of a man who would try to stop a woman from fulfilling God's assignment and calling on her life, that's, that's not a good place to be. No. And, no. uh, you know, no. we need to be, I love the fact you said what your, what your dad said years ago about why do we say women in ministry and, and it's so true. I mean, why do we say that? It's because Don't of know. some crazy cultural yeah. misconceptions. Yeah. So, but no, it's so true. So it's so good to see that. And and we talk, we we celebrate and we commend women in ministry. We want to see women uh, do ministry just as much as men, and yeah. we want to see everybody ultimately. The Bible all says in Ephesians that we're all called to do the yeah. works of ministry, and the apostle, prophet, yeah. evangelist, pastor, and yeah. teacher equips the saints, all yeah. believers, to do the works of ministry. Yeah. So, where yeah, would Jesus didn't say, um, you know, to the disciples, just go to the men, um, <laughs> and he said, go to go and make disciples. Go to the men. Go to the women. Make them yeah. disciples. So, if I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, nobody's going to hold me back from sharing Jesus, wow. whether I've got a title or not, irrelevant. Yeah, so good. But God's enabled me to have a have a title, and so I want to be so diligent in that and do whatever he's asking me to do. So good. So. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So in closing, uh, Ruth, people, especially if anybody's watching this in Melbourne or I don't know if they want to connect and sure. with the movement, how yeah. do people connect with you? What's the best way? Um, yeah, well, we're in we're at Resound Church in Melbourne, so we're in the um, southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, which probably means nothing to any of you out there, but it's a great place to be. Um, and so it's called Resound Church Melbourne. Um, we've got our website, we've got our social um, media platforms that that you can connect with you just yeah. have to go in and type in resound church melbourne and it'll come up i know there's a resound church in in the united states um and i think there is one that's just started in new south wales that isn't us but we're resound church melbourne and we're part of the axe global movement you can go on to the axe global um website as well and you can look up and you find the church on there as well but um that's who we are um just wanting to love jesus and do whatever but um yeah but thank you for the privilege glenn of allowing me to share my heart today thank you for inviting me on what an honor thank you for those that have been listening putting up with my australian accent because it's pretty strong oh we've and, got our um, watching we really too, appreciate so. it so. <laughs> There'll be people, yeah. uh, especially the replay, the on-demand video will be on online yeah. and social media as, and so on and all our, uh, our Kingdom Community TV platforms as yeah. well. So, no, an honor, Ruth, and it was thank really uh, a good a good discussion. We really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank um, you. 
yeah, look forward to yeah. uh, talking again. And yeah. uh, we'll, yeah. we'll definitely be in touch with yeah. you. Thank um, you. Give my love to Lynn too. Yes. We miss you guys in Australia. Um, yeah, yeah. But we know God's doing amazing things through you and will continue to do incredible things through well, thank the um, you. work that you're doing. So bless you both. Thank you. Bless you. Awesome. All right. We'll talk to you okay. later. Have a, an amazing day. Bless Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, that was awesome. Really enjoyed uh, that discussion with Ruth Swift. So many uh, powerful topics, you know, that we were able to really drill down into deeper. Thank you guys for watching. My name is Glenn Blakeney. Again, I just want to encourage you to check out the kingdomcommunity.global website. Guys, connect with us. There's so many different ways that you can be part of what the Kingdom community is doing. We love you. We appreciate you. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. We have some amazing things coming. Um, if you'd like to know more about our Soteria School, just head over to awakenations.org forward slash Soteria. And you can register to be part of that. You can also invite us to come to your community, your local church, and host the Soteria School or the Kingdom School. Basically, the Soteria School is teaching people the, the uh, theology behind ex anticipating miracles, signs and wonders, healing, deliverance, all that stuff. And then the Kingdom School is really activating believers to do the works of ministry. So uh, it's a great opportunity for you guys to uh, be equipped and trained. We're going to be offering this online as well. If you'd like to be part of our monthly mentoring sessions, our kingdom sessions, you can just go over to kingdomcommunity.global forward slash events, and you can check out the different things that are going on in the kingdom community and connect with us that way. Bless you guys. Love to hear from you. And we look forward to seeing you again. Please do share the video. And thank you for being part of the broadcast today. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast.